I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with director Pat Mills talking about his new film that was released at the Toronto World Premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival called Don't Talk to Irene. You're going to want to get out to see this. It's it's a really delightful film about what I would call a really serious matter, and that is how we deal with others. It's about being young. It's about coming of age. It's about... It's about bullying. It's about how does one fit in, actually? Isn't that a kind of a question that we're always asking? It's about relationships and, and mentorship, and, and, and it's about uh, gender and the media and how we deal with old people. Isn't it fascinating that you can get all of this into a film that's funny and, and just, a lot of, uh, uh, just a lot of fun to watch? And, and, and come on, Gina Davis is God? I mean, I think that's, uh, that's, that's worth uh, heading out to your local theater for. So uh, coming right up, uh, Pat Mill. And don't talk to Irene. Oh yeah! By the way, we also are able to ring in Millie Vanilli into the conversation as well. And 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 why Pat had to spend so much money just to find his neighbor. You're going to enjoy the interview with Pat, and you're going to love the film. Don't talk to Irene. Don't forget DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my writing and speaking. FaceToFaceLive.ca for a whole other host of interviews with filmmakers and authors. And also, don't forget uh, Ravel.ca for uh, more writing, more uh, podcasts, more information from a whole slew of other writers as well and, and, and uh, contributors about issues that matter. Coming right up, Pat Mills and Don't Talk to Irene. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest today. Director Pat Mills is here with us to talk about his new film, Don't Talk to Irene, fresh off of, I think, a Q&A, actually. Pat, thanks so much for your time here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's really... Hey, listen, congratulations on a delightful, fun, and engaging film. Don't talk to Irene. It's a, a real, a real um, charming film. And, and yet... Great. Thank you, David. Yeah, and so, I think, so relevant for so, so many reasons. So where, where are you coming from? So your Q&A, uh, Toronto release, you were at a fe- you've been at a few festivals, I think, of late, haven't you? 
Yeah, we premiered at TIFF a few weeks ago, and then I've been at a few festivals since, and I, I um, flew in from Calgary um, okay. at their film festival last night, got right off the plane, and then directly to Young and Dundas, where we had a theatrical release to do a and a So I've just been kind of all over the place with the film, but uh, it's all good because people are really liking the film and the Q and A's are always really fun to do. Yeah, no, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta be pretty pleased with that. What, so Q and A's are fun to do. Is there, is there any kind of, I don't know, are people landing? Is there a theme that people, you know, Calgary, Toronto, different festivals, are there questions that keep popping up? The main question that I usually get is, how did you get Gina Davis? <laughs> right. um, that's probably, that's been asked everywhere. Yeah, I um, bet, I bet. And a lot of people ask about, like, how much did it cost to make? But that's, you know, I think any film that film plays at a festival and you get to meet the director, people ask questions that you don't always want to answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I'm, I, I, I'd love to hear how you got Gina Davis. But more importantly to me is, why did you put her in the God's Eye View position? That's probably more interesting to me. Given, given, what, the, on the, the ceiling poster? Well, this... Or the, just... Her as God. Her as God, that sort of, that voice, she's speaking into not, and I thought it was wonderful how at the end of the film, it's, you know, my time with you is done, Irene, I need to move on. (laughs) This is is not just what, you know, because you kind of wonder through the story if this is just sort of a very rich fantasy life. Uh, And it seems like there's, you know, Gina Davis is playing a bit more of a a central role. Yeah, well, it, it, to me, like Gina Davis kind of, um, she represents sort of like this warmth and this toughness and everything that I feel like a mentor should have or a godlike character should have, which is, you know, you're kind of masculine, you're kind of feminine, you're soft, you're hard. And the thing that I really loved about, I've always loved about Gina Davis is like she can nail comedy, she can yep. nail action, she can nail drama. Like she's been able to do it all. And then with her Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, yeah, sure. It seems like it it really makes sense for her to like guide an awkward teenage girl through the awkward years of your life and arm her with confidence. And I've just always really been drawn to her because I've always thought that she's had such a great sense of humor in all of her films and her interviews and you know she's a member of mensa like she's kind of got it all yeah so which kind of comes uh, out really... which comes out in the film as well right i'm, I'm yeah definitely <laughs> I've, I've got it so, all I'm, um, I'm gina davis and i've got it all gina davis that's very true um so i just it's also kind of random as well and this film has a lot of like random ideas sure. thrown in and mixed together um, and so I wrote the script with her in mind, hoping that she would say yes, even though I knew that it was a long shot. So, uh, when we approached her, we were all pretty like pleasantly surprised that she said yes. And I didn't have to do another rewrite for somebody that I didn't, wasn't my first choice. Is that right? So it That's was amazing. Yeah. We had a list of people to offer it to, um, if she said no, and there was, you know, our casting director had this list of people who would, who might do it, who would not not do it at all, not even read the script, because um, there are certain actors in Hollywood that if you don't have a certain amount of money on the table, they're not even going to consider you. Which I understand. Sure. Yep. Um, but uh, with Gina was on the our 
our casting director said it's not likely, it's a long shot. Um, but she said yes. So we were happy about that. Yeah. And she was really lovely to work with. And for a movie star, she was about as low maintenance as it gets. So I was just like pleasantly surprised that it was just, she was just such a lovely person. Yeah, and it's no, very cool. You know, we're underdogs. We're Canadian filmmakers. Yes, and to yes. have this Oscar-winning actress like help us out and, you know, help us make our movie and sign on to do it is just pretty much testament to how cool she is as a person. So Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, we all just love her. So Well, and, so, and of to, she's gotta be, be God. to quote to quote her from the film Thou Shalt Not Quit. So clearly clearly that's the approach you guys took. It's very true. It's true, but we didn't have to fight that hard for her. Oh, no, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. remarkable. So how do you take on what I would call, you know, I'm a pretty uh, new parent. I've got a 12-year-old. I've got a, a 9-year-old uh, boy and a girl. And, and, you know, in the middle of it, digital media, going to school, just all that, you know, those different sort of the friendships, the relationships, the, 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 the potential for bullying and all that. Take a pretty, what I would call a pretty serious subject, you know, growing up, coming of age and all that and turn it into this really playful and fun film that still kind of packs a punch about what it, you know, I hope what it means to be a better human being. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for sure. I think the reason is, is because I was bullied a lot when oh, I was okay. a kid okay. and in high school. And when you, I can only speak um, about myself, but it really developed my sense of humor. Right. So when you ha- are just forced to toughen up on your own, like I didn't have any friends for the first like two or three years of high school. I was a total loner. Um, people made fun of me all the time. And it kind of turns yourself inside. and it be- You become creative about it. You become a writer. You become an artist mm. because the only person that you really interact with is yourself. So you have this way of interacting with the world that's very, very internal, and the only way to survive through it is to develop a sense of humor and almost laugh and mock everything that you interact with. So I think that like translating that into filmmaking obviously makes sense. And you know, I have a dark sense of humor, but I have, I'm a real softy. And well, Pat, you know what's you know, so, so what's so interesting to me is there's I didn't I didn't really find the film cynical, the storytelling cynical at all. So you say, you know, you mark, you mock everything. And I, I think, and I get that. Like I, and such great lines, by the way, do you know what? No, I don't you. think, I don't think I've, I don't think I've come across such a quotable comedic film since Ghostbusters. Honestly, it's just, it's kind Oh, of, that's fun. Yeah. Like so many one liners. I mean, it's just, just, just crazy, crazy. Um, and I love the way you took Hamilton and turned it upside down. But anyway, that's another conversation perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So, so right. yeah, there's, where's the cynicism? Well, I think that the, what I'm talking about is when I, I turned in as a as a kid, it was more like cynicism around like regular people, bullies, uh, the jocks, like all of those people. I had this like you're the enemy. I never, I was always sort of a, an underdog, and I felt for the underdog. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, like the the kids who were nice to me were the freaks. Right. They were the they were the fat girls. They were the gay people. They were, you know, the nerds, the punks. Like, it's a funny thing that happens in high school. And I think that I almost, like, want to protect those people. Right. And everyone else can go, go screw themselves, essentially, which is sort of a theme in the movie a little bit. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And and what I what's so interesting to me is is how the 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 lessons that we can learn from these you know these supposed losers, right? Like right. one of the yeah. questions I had for you was, would, would, do you really define Irene as, I mean, and listen, maybe you need to give us a little bit of context, my listeners, a bit of context about the film itself, but, you know, is Irene really a social outcast? Would would you call her that? Um, Not in the grand scheme of things, but I certainly would call her an outcast in school. Mm. So just for context, she is a girl that doesn't have, who's, who's 15 years old. She's a bit of a weirdo, and she's fat, and she wants to be a cheerleader, and nobody believes that she can do it. Um, and in the film, she gets involved in a prank uh, with her bullies, and they all end up having to do community service at a retirement home. And she sees all of these old people who are just watching television and assembles um, her own cheer squad out of them. <laughs> so, and then she teaches them how to dance. Uh, and eventually she wants to sign him up to go on a talent-themed reality show. So she she actually has a lot of confidence mm-hmm. as for this Ed Cast. So she's not a total um, weak, she's definitely not a weak character, and she kind of rolls with the punches of all the bullying. Like she just kind of keeps on going. And right. I've always been inspired by films where you have you know, characters who are kicked down constantly and they, they keep going at their dream no matter how ridiculous it is. Um, like I've always loved the movie Working Girl and it's like, it's so funny that all she wants is like to work for like a corporate business, but she just does whatever she can to do it. And I, I find that movie really inspiring and feels, makes me feel good, even though I have no idea about, you know, mergers and acquisitions right. or, or business or anything, but... What well, what I think so so cool about Irene and about anyone like her, I think, is that even though maybe she didn't quite have enough self awareness or a particular kind of self awareness to say maybe cheerleading's not for you, she has enough self awareness, enough confidence, enough stick to itiveness, like you said, the tenacity to say, you know what, the heck with it, I'm going in anyway. And yeah, and, for and sure. she, you know what I mean? That takes a certain amount of uh, um, personality and and ego, right? That, yeah, that clearly other definitely. characters in the film and the story don't have. That's, that's a fascinating story. Yeah, that's story. true. And, you know, you only have what, what it takes if you actually go for it. Right, right. Which and, is, which is know, kind of back to the, the, the Gina Davis line, thou shalt not quit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, am I hearing a lot of 80s music in this film as well? I'm pretty sure I did. You are hearing uh, 80s and early 90s okay. music. We had, um, it opens with Heart and Soul yeah. by T'Pau. So great. I love that song. So great, yeah. Um, and and sets the tone on the beautifully. Yes, it does. It does. Because I, I, I love 80s movies, which I'm sure you can tell. Yes. The movie, it's like I love 80s teen movies. I grew up watching them. Is, a, is, like a, is it like a Christmas story, one of your faves? I love a Christmas story actually. That's well, I saw movie. I saw quite a bit of Christmas story in this. I really did. Like it's just it's Oh like, cool. Oh, for me Ghost World, Napoleon Dynamite, Christmas Story, Little Miss Sunshine, those are just the ones off the top of my head. It's just yeah, it's oh, cool. Yeah, really fun. Um great. So that so that was clearly uh intentional. Was that just to uh, uh sort of contextualize it or were you actually was there was that was that, you know, I mean clearly it's driving the narrative. It is. It's a few things because I think that the the 
the way that the movie's done, it kind of it kind of references old. It's like the aesthetic of it is sort of like an '80s, early '90s teen movie. Sure. It's sort of the movie that it doesn't; those movies don't really get made anymore. So there's right. that. Right. But I, I, the character of Irene goes into dumpsters and she finds audio tape. That's so right. Every, and she loves old people, so everything that she's drawn to is a bit retro. So the music reflected that, and it made sense because. You know, and she likes underdogs too. Yes. So yep. Millie Vanilli, who, That's in my right. opinion, are like the ultimate musical underdogs, because <laughs> I actually feel like those two guys were huge victims of like a corporate music industry, and they made great music, even if they didn't sing it. But well, th- that's great music. Well, how can you not so, like blame it on the rain? It's true. That's a good song and a great tempo. If you're having, you know senior citizens dance to it. <laughs> so that was a very, that was <laughs> it very, was a very important. conscious choice yeah. to find a song that not only was of that era, but, you know, it's an iconic song, um, but it also was at the right tempo because it wasn't too too hard for them. Um, so that was a conscious choice, and it's, it works really well in the movie, thankfully. You know, you start the film out with the... Uh, is, uh, and help me out here, because I don't know if I got the line exactly, but the key to success is, is being able to look into the future. Is that... Yep, and visualize what you want to become. And visualize what you want to become. This is what this film is. I mean, the film's fun. It's a comedy. It's, it's, it's charming. It's, it's light. It's all those things. But when you start to peel back the layers, it actually goes way deeper. This is about self-awareness. This is about becoming, you know, who hopefully... Uh, we not only want to be, but need to be. And so I, mm-hmm. I see, I see this young woman. Um, I'm just trying to think of the line. This doesn't. What does Gina Davis say? She said, "This this town doesn't need another regular cheerleader. This town needs you." I yeah, exactly. such. I mean, there's so many great lines, Pat. But that that's brilliant to me. That that is the story of all of us, right? I didn't. Right. I'm not becoming mm-hmm. a cheerleader, but I am becoming me. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, a lot of seniors are really um, reacting to the movie in a positive way because uh, there are seniors in the film and a woman came up to me with her her cane. She was probably like in her mid-80s and said, I went back to university just three years ago and, you know, people don't think that you're capable of doing things Mm. at a certain point. And I feel like that everybody relates to that because oh, yeah. I think everyone has somebody or a people, group of people who think they aren't capable of what they actually want to do. And why don't we all just go for it and screw everybody, basically, is what Irene does. And the successful people in the world do that. So whether they go to university when they're 83 years old or become a cheerleader when they're fat. Yeah, exactly. It's about, it's about, it's a, well, for me, it's about stepping into your future in a really intentional way. And that's why I love, I mean, <laughs> there's so many ways you sort of turn that on its head, the, the Megan and the fly at the yeah. end. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's certainly not a butterfly, but it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's take, take, take what you've been given and, yeah. and, and, and turn it into something else and something other. Exactly. So who's your who's your Louise? Every Thelma needs her Louise. Great line, another wonderful line in the film. Who is my Louise? It would you know what? It would probably be one of my producers. Her name's Allison Richards. We actually met in high school. Okay. And she was one of the the first people to invite me out socially. 
um, when I was a teenager. Oh, so, oh okay. So you guys go way back. Together, we we go way back. We go back to the 90s, and uh, we've stuck together, and we've made two feature films together. Um, and we rely on each other creatively um, and professionally, but also as friends, which is always kind of interesting because sometimes, you know, you're, you need your producer, but sometimes you, you need your friend. And we'll have phone calls that are, or like we'll get together and we'll like consciously decide not to talk about any film or the film that we're working on right. and just like catch up as friends. But right. she would be my Louise, I think. So, so tell me uh, a little bit more about the, um, um, about the, I guess the, 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 the genesis of, I mean, is, 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 are you Irene? The genesis of the story. The, oh, I'm totally Irene. You're totally yeah. Irene. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, was this a, a backward, a really backwards high school experience for you? Yeah. Well, I was the, I was the new kid, right? I had moved from Ottawa to Toronto when I was, um, right before yep. grade nine. And the thing that, the, the thing that's really interesting about my enter and like when I entered high school is I had long blonde hair and my voice hadn't cracked yet. And my name's Pat. So everybody assumed that I was a girl, but I was also really severely shy and I mm. wore my like hair in front of my eyes. So it was this strange thing where I was terrified of everybody and I made no friends. And I was a bit of a freak. But I also learned what it was like to, like, firsthand about what it would be like to be a girl, mm. and especially a teenaged girl. Um, so, you know, I would go out and, you know, men would catcall, or I would have a really inappropriate experience with uh, a middle-aged man on the subway. Um, so that kind of created, again, one of those things that creates the artist in you. Sure. It's a, like an experience that no one else will have. And it will force you to look at the world in a completely different way because you've had this really special experience. And I'm so happy um, for that experience because, you know, I really relate to teenage girls and I still kind of do. Because I know what it's like. It's so awful and it's so awkward. Is, so that, that art, that maybe that poetry or that, uh, the, you know, dealing with the, that un, the uncomfortableness, I suppose, of life, is that, is that um, is it a coping, is it, was it a coping mechanism for you, would you say? Oh, likely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just so cool to me that you can take something like that and turn it in, into something. Well, it's the fly at the end of the film, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so there, there's something. So where, where I'm just looking for uh, um, the quote about the, right, we're re, we, <laughs> one of the older folks in the film, and I just think this is so delightful. And this, to me, connects so nicely to, this is authorial intention, it seems to me, and how the narrative kind of, can, can just kind of come together in a way that's just so beautiful. The key to sex, success is to look into the future. We don't need, we don't need another cheerleader. We need you. And then this, this older woman, I think, who says, we've retired dear from everything. And right. Isn't that what this film's about? Not retiring? Right. It's about not retiring, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. And, the, and Irene is a character who pulls the net of that thought, you know? Absolutely. Well, this is what I mean, what's so beautiful about her, about she's so not the loser, Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell me finding finding her, finding Irene? The, she's from. Uh, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that process? Is Michelle her name? Michelle McLeod. Michelle McLeod from Peterborough. Her first feature, yeah, her first feature film, 
and it was so hard to find her. Mm, um, I bet. I, I, I understand that uh, I knew that it was going to be a hard time finding our Irene because she has to be a teenager. She has to be funny. She has to be able to dance. And she's also a body type that never gets encouraged to become an actor. Um, if you look at, at headshots, like everybody just looks the same and I, I'm not interested in telling those stories. So, um, we did a casting call and looked all across Canada. We put up postings in high schools. We looked non-union union and we just couldn't find anybody. People are either too old or very young and actually just, you know, I knew that they couldn't handle the material. And then we ended up hiring an American casting director to search all across the U.S. Um, and we couldn't find anyone. And we ended up pushing the shoot three separate times because we couldn't find our Irene. And if we couldn't find her, it wasn't going to work. Right. And then um, probably about six months after the first or second time we pushed the shoot, we got um, a submission in from the U.S. and it was Michelle. And I was like, oh, I think that she's really good. And... It was submitted to the U.S. casting, not to the Canadian one. So we assumed that she was American, and she assumed we were American. And then when I did a bit of research and talked to the agent, I found out that she was, lived in Etobicoke. We were shooting in Hamilton, and I live in Toronto. So we, she was smack dab between where I was right, coming from and where right. we were shooting. So you picked her up so on I the way to the shoot, it. right? Yeah, well, we did. Yeah. We did. We absolutely did. And... I joke that we spent a lot of money to find our neighbor right? because we hired this casting director to look everywhere. And and like, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have found her. Um, And I think that what had happened is she was in between agents. So she didn't actually have representation when the Canadian casting call went out. Uh, And then she got a new agent who submitted her to the American casting call. So what I, we auditioned her about, two times and then I knew that she was like okay I think that she's the one but I wanted for her final callback I wanted her to like get the tone so we got together I had coffee with her before she officially had the part and I gave her three movies to watch okay and I think they were it was election Romy and Michelle's high school reunion and welcome to the dollhouse because mm. I wanted her to like understand tone and right. like fun comedy but also stuff that goes a bit dark right um, and I liked, there are parts of election where, you know, um, Tracy's crying with her mother and cause it, it actually feels really true. Like the thing about election is it's not like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. It's actually got some true real emotion and like great performances in that movie that seem really natural. So I wanted her to watch that as well, just to, cause I just didn't want it to be like broad sticky comedy. Right. Well, this is, yeah, well, this is what's so beautiful about it. And I, you, you really, um, I don't know, you do that dance really, really well, Pat, because it's the kind of film that I think, uh, must be pretty hard to create to, like you say, we, we, we couldn't have made this film without Michelle, or at least that's what I'm Mm -hmm. hearing you say, or somebody like her, the character, you know, how do you, how do you get that balance of comedy with the, with the right music and the absurdity and the darkness and still come out on the other side? Yeah, it's tough. It's got to be tough. And I knew tough. that tone, tone was like a big thing, and I wanted everyone to be on the same page and be in the same kind of movie, because that's when directors kind of mess up, where they don't communicate 
what kind of movie all of their actors are in. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, okay, sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes you just forget, but right. it's like the most important thing. You should like reference as many movies, get them to watch them, um, and really communicate what each scene is about, what the movie is about. Because, and I wanted everything to be sort of grounded in reality, but be ridiculous enough to be entertaining, but I didn't want it to be broad and I wanted people to believe every scene that it was in and that like it has moments of being ridiculous and like such a movie, but it also is ground. I hope I wanted it to be grounded. Uh, that was a big, big thing. And it was about communication, talking to all the actors and let them know what kind of movie they're in because some people would come into the audition and assume it was really like broad comedy and they'd come in like they were, you know, doing sketch comedy and, I wasn't interested in doing that at all. So it was about like almost bringing the performances down uh, to a non-second city main stage mm. space. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Park Park Ontario does not exist, does it? It does not exist, and it, it's, it's funny. It was originally set in Mono, Ontario, okay. which is, I think, close to Orangeville, yes, because yeah. I thought that was a, just a funny name for a town. <laughs> right. um, yep. But the thing is, is Mono is actually very beautiful, and it it's is. where people go and get their wedding photos taken. Right. So it didn't totally work, but also our um, our lawyer said that you know we should maybe make it a fictional town because we don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> you don't want to piss the mayor off of some town somewhere in, in northern it, Ontario. Exactly, and I think that Mono has money, so I was like, <laughs> "Okay, well, I'll I'll change it," and I ended up making it Park because Park is an anagram to crap. <laughs> right. So Which that's is, that's where that came from. Is that is that a little bit of that dark edge coming out? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's so it's so wonderful because, like I said earlier, I, I I'm still fascinated by the fact if you were you know uh, I har- hardly know you at all, Pat, but uh, you know that 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 bullying. I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to deal with as a kid. And what I find fascinating is it's it's created. Uh, it sounds to me like an artist who has a really um, fun, delightful kind of um, that you don't take yourself too seriously kind of approach to the world, which which I think is really quite marvelous. I'm good. Yeah, sometimes I take myself too seriously, but it's usually when I'm editing a movie. So. Oh, right. But right. generally, generally I don't take So when it comes to serious. something technical, you get a little serious. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. One of my fave lines, I mean, again, so many, has to be, is watching TV and waiting to die a cure for arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's it apparently is not. So. It's apparently not, yes. And how many of those characters were actually out of your life? Oh, like all of the characters yeah, yeah. in the film? Yeah, like the teacher oh, who's got the flask in his desk. I'm drunk, I'm not a drunk. That's hilarious, too, by the way. Oh, that that's a reference to my first film, Guidance. Oh, I'm and sorry. That, okay, missed that. I ended up... So that's me in the movie as the drunk teacher. And I, in my first film, I played a drunk guidance counselor. Oh, and my producers go. were like, oh, it would be fun if you played that role. And I really didn't want to. I'm like, I just want to be at the monitor the entire time in this movie. But I ended up doing it. Um, so that's based on a character that I, I had, had uh, made a film around uh, three years ago called Guidance. And then everyone is, all the other characters are just taken from different, different people there's, uh, I'm, I'm in Tesh as well as Irene. Uh, my mom is, uh, is in, 
um, Irene's mom, and just a lot of my friends are in all the other characters. And I did have, I think, a great-grandmother who had um, a lot of energy and was a bit yeah. inappropriate at times. <laughs> right. So she went into the Ruth character. Yes, so. yeah. Yeah, you really, yeah, that's a really interesting balance, too, that balance between uh, uh, that sort of absurdity and that, that really, um, I was going to use the word harsh. Harsh is the wrong word, but that in-your-face kind of humor, you know, those lines mm-hmm. that you just don't expect to come out of that person. Did, they, did she just say that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sure we'll pull this back into a sort of a fun comedic kind of ending, but I do want to ask you this question as we end and, uh, I've got to wrap it up here in a, in a couple of minutes, but you know, it's, it's between Irene, a conversation between Irene and her mom. It gets a little heated, still quite funny, still quite absurd in its own way, but really real where she's basically saying, you know, you didn't, you didn't want me. You ended up with this, this daughter that you never really wanted there's this whole sense of i'm not included i'm not loved i'm not embraced and she says something about why don't, why don't we spend more time is it living in the living room and her mom says because living stains right i mean this <laughs> is this is not just this is a comedian that's that's got a statement to make it seems to me you know what i mean this is a profoundly sort of existential comment it's so uh right wonderful and sort of contradictory and and i just wonder where where where, where's that coming from? I mean, is that ultimately for you what this what this film really is is all about, in a sense? Yeah, like if you're not staining something, you're probably not living properly. That's what I think, and like I think that the mother characters is all about protecting her daughter, and so she's not actually living, and the daughter just wants to get out there and live. And so there's just the difference between the two characters: is one doesn't want anyone in the living room because I never understood that. People who cover their furniture <laughs> in plastic and like you're not allowed in certain rooms, yeah, I just yeah. don't get it. No. And it's usually the living room, and I always found that so funny. It's like, well, it's like so perfectly, pathetically ironic it, that you're not allowed to go into the living room. Yeah, no, I always found that really funny. It's 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 perfect. What did you say? Perfectly pathetically ironic. It really is yeah. true. I mean, isn't isn't this what this is about? It's about getting your shoes on and getting out there, and 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 exactly. and, and stepping into it. Uh, it's. It's wonderful. And again, Pat, thanks so much. Uh, we've been talking to Pat Mills today about his new film, Don't Talk to Irene. you got to get out there and see it. I hope everybody gets to see this, Pat. Thanks, thanks so much uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That was fun.